0: N-P-R.
1: Hey, Robert, are you on a stakeout? You're staring so intently through that pair of binoculars.
2: Waylon, I have my eyes locked on this government fortress-looking building in D.C. It's the home of the Federal Reserve. Apparently, they're meeting behind closed doors over the next two days And I'm looking for some sort of sign of what they're going to decide. Maybe some smoke from the chimney or something.
1: No, that's how they choose a pope. That's not how they decide interest rates.
2: Yes, 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 yes. But it does seem like everyone these days is just waiting for some sign, any sign of what the Federal Reserve will do. I hear people are so desperate to know whether interest rates will stay steady or go up that they're even reading the Beige Book.
1: The Beige Book is, of course, the obscure federal publication by the Fed that tells little anecdotes about the economy. It used to be mostly us at the indicator paying attention, but now I see all sorts of tweets and commentary every time it comes out.
2: Sure, sure, they read it, Waylon. But do they celebrate it?
1: No, no, they do not. That is our job.
2: It's the Beige Awards. Our eight times a year salute to the art and science of telling stories about the economy. I'm Robert Smith.
1: And I'm Waylon Wong. As we wait to see what the Fed will do this week, we'll let you know what tea leaves we can read from the beige book. A tarot card reading for the economy, if you will.
2: I just flipped over the knight of swords. Is that good for the economy? Bad? We'll interpret after the break.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise.
2: For a masterclass on innovation and creativity, listen to How I Built This, where host Guy Raz talks to founders behind the world's biggest companies to learn the real stories of how they built them. Listen to How I Built This early and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. It is always good to remind everyone how this award show works. There are 12 regional banks in the Federal Reserve System. Each one carefully studies their local economy and brings back little stories of what they see. They collect these stories in the Beige Book, and we tell you the best one.
1: All right, let's get right into it. The winner of the Beige Award, an please. Oh my, it's the Richmond Fed.
2: Coming to the stage is Joe Mangado
0: from Richmond, Virginia. We spoke to him on September 8th.
1: It has been a while since Richmond took the stage.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I humbly accept this award on behalf of the... Facebook team at the Richmond Fed.
1: Robert, please do me the honor of reading the winning entry, which is about the latest challenge for American manufacturing.
2: A, quote, manufacturer reported that their skilled tradesmen were approaching retirement. So the company was trying to revitalize their apprenticeship program to train young adults out of high school and community colleges.
1: And we should note this wasn't just any manufacturer. It is the maker of a critical piece of infrastructure in this country. Bearings. Bearings for generators and things like that. So, Joe Mengadoth,
2: we've been keeping our eye on Richmond for the last few beige books. Earlier in the summer, you reported that
0: textile plants were having trouble recruiting workers. Now it's all bearings. Yeah, it, this is not the first time that we've heard this, but um, this particular bearing manufacturer was doing a lot of work to try to promote among community college students and high school students, going to job fairs, to just you know let people know that manufacturing is a good employment opportunity. It's exciting, you can work with your hands, and they're just trying to get more interest in it among the younger generation. I looked up some of the statistics and I saw that the peak of
2: manufacturing employment in the United States was in 1979. So 40 years ago, which made me think that there were people who came into
0: manufacturing in the 70s and 80s who are now retiring. Yeah, this bearing manufacturer that I talked to, um, you know, they've had the apprenticeship program for a long time. And they have some of their high skilled technicians now that have been with the company for 30 to 40 years that started in the apprenticeship program. Um, you know, and they are needing to replace them as they retire. So the need for, for them, at least, has not changed. They do need those jobs.
1: Now, the way the Beige Book works is that all of the stories are anonymous. It allows companies to speak freely if they don't have to reveal their names. And the Richmond Fed did not tell us the name of the bearings manufacturer. But in this case, the bearings manufacturer called us. They wanted to get the word out about their open jobs.
2: Yeah, it, it was amazing. I, I found myself speaking to Adrian Bardet, vice president of sales and marketing at Pioneer Motor Bearing Company in North Carolina, outside of Charlotte. And they make something called a fluid film Babbitt Bearing. I'll tell you that you could not flush your toilet. You could not turn on your light switch without a fluid film Babbitt Bearing. Let me explain because this blew my mind. I assumed that all engines and generators and pumps ran on ball bearings.
1: Yeah, those little round, metal, buckshot-looking things.
2: Yeah, but, but apparently I'm 100 years behind in the technology, Wayland. A Babbitt bearing is like a casing, a shell, for something that rotates. And it has a thin film of oil inside, so there's very little friction. So Adrian's Babbitt bearings help run hydroelectric plants and pumping stations and big stuff like that. The world literally spins because of these bearings.
1: Yes, and the company was actually started by Adrian's great-grandfather.
3: It's funny, we, we still make the exact same thing we made over 100 years
2: ago, and we have not grown at all since that. We make like one extra little thing. But I imagine that the bearings that you make are a little bit more precise than they were 100
3: years ago? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking down to like a ten-thousandth of an inch can make or break, uh, you know, the entire bearing.
2: I looked at some videos on your website, and and they're pretty cool. Like, you see some fire and some pouring of metal, and then you see some really high-tech machines. But I will say, when I saw your videos, I saw a lot of gray-haired gentlemen running the machines. What's going on there? Yeah.
3: One of the issues we're facing is that it takes a very long time to learn how to manufacture these products, and also a very long time for the production management to trust each individual machinist to do their job without extreme supervision. So I think in the next two years, we're looking at uh, about a third of our machinist workforce retiring. It's very scary. So we're doing many, many things to try to uh, retain the talent we currently have and attract new talent.
2: They've improved their benefits and they tout how much they pay. A 20-something worker could make sixty-five dollars to $80,000 a year, depending on experience and the shift they pick.
1: And as the Beige Book pointed out, they are promoting their apprenticeship program, which takes high school graduates and trains them. This takes four years.
2: But talking to Adrian, he says the company needs to expand their pool beyond even high schoolers. By the time someone's in high school, they may have already picked their career. So Pioneer Bearings wants to plant the seed even earlier and is trying to pitch manufacturing careers to middle schoolers.
1: I know some middle schoolers, and I'm trying to imagine explaining what a Babbitt bearing is to them. (laughs) I think it's a tall order.
2: <laughs> All they need to see is the is, is the fire and the cool machines.
1: And then they'll be like locked into this career.
2: <laughs> and Adrian says they also have to explain something to their parents. There's a feeling in small towns in the Carolinas that manufacturing and mills are these terrible places. The historical view of those textile mills is
3: dirty and dangerous work. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's stories of workers that died in fires because the doors were locked or chained shut. Those stories stick around and, you know, they're told from one generation to the next. And it's that stigma that we're fighting. I like to think we have a pretty good work environment. It's fully climate controlled. <laughs> That's not saying much. Uh, you know, you're allowed to leave if you have to go
2: outside. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely nothing like manufacturing used to be. And as proof, Adrian told me to look at a video of their newest machine, a five-axis CNC machine, something like that. Honestly, it looks like something from Star Trek. It actually makes manufacturing look fun.
1: Well, Robert, I think I know what your next career pivot's going to be.
2: Bearings?
1: Bearings all the way down. Thanks again, Adrian, and congratulations to the Richmond Fed and Beji Award winner Joe Mangadoth for letting us know what it'll take to keep the bearings industry spinning. This episode was produced by Richmond resident Corey Bridges, with engineering by Ko Takasugi Chernovan. It was fact-checked by Sarah Juarez. Kicking Cannon is our editor, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. On
2: this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction
1: definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all.
2: At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card Podcast from NPR. The game where cards control the
3: conversation.